Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This happened and it was like kind of a come to Jesus moment almost. Like I had this dream and it was a dream that I had passed away. Like I had passed away in a burning house and I didn't make it out. But before I went to heaven, God gave me a chance to talk to my mom and grandmother. And the thing that I regretted the most is that I hadn't been able to see the world. I was like, you know, I'm going to miss you guys, but I just really wish I had a chance to see more of the world before I pass. After that, I knew I needed an exit strategy. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. This is Janice, and you're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I am so excited for you to be here for today's episode. We are going to be talking about a topic that a lot of people have a lot of opinions about. That's right. We're talking stock trading. Now, stock trading has a lot of shady ass people in this business. So I knew if I was going to talk about this topic, I wanted to bring on somebody who was super legit talking about stock trading in a way that is educational, informational, and not selling you some snake oil. So we're going to be talking today to Terry Egioma of Trade and Travel. Terry Egioma began her professional career working in education and nonprofits. When she started trading stocks nine years ago, she initially saw it as an opportunity to supplement her income. However, she became so successful with it that in 2017, she decided to quit her job, travel the world, and begin trading full time. While she was traveling, Terry was constantly being asked to show other people how she was successfully trading in the stock market, and so she taught her first course in Thailand, her second in Vietnam, and then she had a full-fledged curriculum created by the time she returned to the States. Terry now offers an online curriculum at investwithterry.com, where she shares her investing strategies with people all over the world. You can find out more about Terry on Instagram at Terry Egioma or on her website, investwithterry.com. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Terry, welcome to the podcast. It is such an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Janice. I'm so thankful. Absolutely. I have been such a big fan. I think the first time I heard of you was on the Journey to Launch podcast with Jamila Souffrant. And I was like, oh my gosh, this woman is a hurricane. I need to find out what I can about her because she is just the most inspiring thing I've ever heard. So now we get to connect and you get to share your story with my audience. So I'm super excited for today. Oh my goodness. I'm excited too. This is going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So why don't you start off with introducing yourself? Okay. Well, I am Terry Gioma and I quit my job as an assistant principal to start trading full-time and traveling around the world. And Before you think like that was the plan, it wasn't. Nope. (laughs) The original plan was I was going to work for someone. I wanted to be during undergrad at MIT. I wanted to be like the chief marketing officer of a company. Then I went into this education route and I was just going to do that for 30 years and retire. I also went to grad school and ministry. I thought I'd be a young adult pastor, but all these things, now I am a full-time day trader, love it to death, eight-figure earner, and nothing went to plan, but everything went to plan, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, that's a remarkable story, and I can't wait to dive into that. But I think the first thing that stuck out to me with just your intro is just like, you followed a very prescriptive path, which a lot of us traditionally do, like go to school, plan to get the good job, plan to work in this career. And at some point, a lot of us have this like, what the heck am I doing with my life moment? And so I'm curious, what was that moment for you? For me, it was, I was an assistant principal at the school and I was going to school and I found out that one of my friends had passed away. And at this time, we were about 31 years old. So early 30s, he had just had a kid, like his name was John. I thought he would be around forever. Like he was one of my like ride or die. After college, he was the one that was like always up for anything. And I was just so proud of him and where his life like was going. He had just got a job on Capitol Hill. He was a lawyer. And all of a sudden I get a message that he's not here anymore. And at the same time, I'm going to this job and I am literally dreading going into this job. Like every day I have to pretend that I'm okay, even though I'm not okay, and pretend that I like these people and smile on their faces. And it just was a point where life is too short for this. Mm. Like if this is what life is, I don't want it. It's so funny. Like you said, you've been following me for a while. So I never know like what I honestly share, but this, this, happened and it was like kind of a come to Jesus moment almost like I had this dream and it was a dream that I had passed away like I had passed away in a burning house and I didn't make it out but before I went to heaven God gave me a chance to talk to my mom and grandmother I vividly remember this dream I remember like the color of the building everything and the thing that I regretted the most is that I hadn't been able to see the world I was like you know, I'm going to miss you guys, but I just really wish I had a chance to see more of the world before I passed. And after that, those few things between my friend passing away and me hating my job and that dream, I knew I needed an exit strategy. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we have so much to unpack, but first I want to find out more about you and your upbringing when it comes to money. Did you grow up around investing? Did you grow up talking about money? What was your story? Not at all. So I grew up in a single parent household. My mom and dad split up when I was about two. And so I was raised by my mom. And then in high school, my grandmother moved in too to help us out. So it was three generations of women in the house. I loved it, but like we didn't have a lot. Now looking back, my mom tells me stories of how like we would split a Happy Meal. She would take the nuggets and I would take the fries. And 
That's how we made it. And that was our treat. Like if we, if, if, if I had had a great day, like we were getting that Happy Meal, but I didn't know we were sharing it. So no, I didn't grow up with money at all. And even to this day, my mom's salary is $35,000 a year. She's doing something she loves. She's an advisor to students at a college, but just all the jobs she's had have never paid a lot of money. She's always been in service roles. That went into me as well. So when I went into the education track, I didn't expect to make a lot. I expected that I would have just enough. Mm. So coming into now, it's a whole new mindset of having more than enough. Like just that ability to get what you want. Like the, the little things, like I can go in the grocery store and I don't have to get what's on the coupon, you know, in the coupon sheet. I can get whatever I want to eat. Right. Like the little things. But yeah. that's crucial. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's um, so much focus in our communities to like take these jobs that serve and they tend to be lower paying jobs, right? So we're talking about like education or social work or some careers in healthcare. There's a lot of emphasis, especially for women, I think, to be of service before thinking about the money associated with a career. So I'd love to find out more about kind of how you started your career and then how we got to the point that you like were ready to walk away from it in order to become a day trader. I went into education kind of by happenstance. I had interned at Morgan Stanley in college. And so I thought, well, I'll go into investment banking because that was on Wall Street. And I interned at Morgan Stanley, hated it. Girl, <laughs> it was, mm -mm, nope. Like, and they even asked me to at the end of the internship, they were like, Terry, we want to give you this job, but we're not sure if you want to be here. And so I went home and I tried to muster up the energy to be like, yes, I really want to be here. I got in that room and I just could not lie. I was like, you know what? This has been great. I love it, but I don't know. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. I didn't say yeah. it like that. But, but that's what I was thinking in my head. <laughs> um, so ended up working in consulting and one of our clients was Teach for America. And so that's really how I got into this education round because when I left consulting, they said, well, why don't you think about working for Teach for America in their admin department? So I worked on their national team helping train teachers. And then went into ministry, but I went to an after-school ministry, so still in education. Then came and helped found the elementary school where I was an assistant principal, education. So that's kind of how I ended up in that, that realm. But that little taste of Wall Street stayed with me because I started trading on the side as a side hustle to supplement the income. Got and it. that's kind of where that came. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... I think there's a lot of people in my audience who want to become investors and, you know, a lot of the messaging that they're getting is like, stay away from trading because it's crazy risky and like, just go and do the traditional, like sign up for your 401k, get an IRA, work 40 years and retire. So what should people know about trading before we get into like kind of how you started your own journey with that? A couple things that people should know. One, when you look at the portfolio of most of the wealthy people in the, the world, about 60% of their income is invested. And it's not all invested in, in buy and hold long-term investments. It's, it's invested in things that will generate higher returns. And many times that is the more active, risky investments. What I've noticed is that the paradigm for us is that we have maybe 10% or less invested and then even less than that actively invested, but we want to become wealthy. The wealthy have a ton invested and actively invested or even being managed for them. And so it's kind of like, well, if you want to get there, well, it sounds like you need to increase your investing and, and, and diversify it a bit to a bit more active than just the buy and hold. So that's one thing. Like, I think our expectations are skewed a bit. <laughs> then it's really not that difficult there's like several myths. There's one myth that you need a lot of money to invest. You don't. You can open an account with $500 and trade in a simulated account. Then there's the, well, Terry, it's too risky. Well, there's ways to pre prevent that. Like we actually can calculate using charts our risk beforehand. Like I know that my reward to risk on every trade is three times the reward to the risk. And that's that's a pretty good probability, not just a gamble, Right. Then there's, oh, Terry, I don't want to lose. I get that too. And there are ways to protect yourself from losing. 
So like in my trade and travel program, we have a whole risk management section from putting in stop losses to get you out of the trade if the market goes down to actually like doing formulas to calculate your quantity size. Part of the risk is you might be investing too many shares. So how do you calculate that? So all of the things that are typically missed we can work around it. It's just about taking that first step. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. I just wanted folks to kind of be framed in the conversation that we're going to have because there's so much hype, right, around the stock market in general. And I think we can see that even with things like GameStop and all the recent like talk about shorting and the hedge funds and everybody's like, okay, well, I could just start trading stock and make like a million dollars. And it's like, okay, guys, hold on. <laughs> it's not just about... <laughs> you know, opening an investing account on Robinhood and start buying stocks. Like there is a science to this the same way that, you know, there's a, a method or a science to a lot of different processes. So I want to talk about kind of how you got into trading for yourself, right? So you had this exposure to Morgan Stanley. You had this like little nudge in the back of your head that this is something that you still wanted to figure out how to do with your spare time. So can you talk me through kind of what that process was like for you? Sure. So in 2010, the housing market had crashed, the stock market had crashed. So I initially thought, well, I'm going to go invest in a house because that's all I knew, real estate, real estate investing. So I went out and I was looking for houses in Chicago and we're going, we're going, we're seeing all these buildings. And the whole time my realtor is talking about how he's making money in the stock market. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, we're out here looking for houses. And he's like, no. And at the time, he was invested in AIG, which is one of the ones who had really fell during the crash. And he's like, no, it's coming back. Like, I'm, I'm in it and it's doing so well. And so he kept talking every time we went to look at houses. I said, you know what? I don't know about investing this 30000 down payment into this house. What if I put this money into the stock market? Now, I didn't have a ton of money actually for a down payment at the time. So I started with a super small account, but I opened an E-Trade account at the time because that's what he had opened. And then I started watching CNBC and trying to learn from Jim Cramer. So I'm, I'm trying to teach myself at this point and it's not going too well because <laughs> I'm picking stuff that like I know, which is which is what we often teach people, like go around, find things that you know, and then invest in those things. But unfortunately, the things that I knew were not good stocks to invest in. So I invested in like Pandora, the radio station. And girl, quickly that went down. That was one of my worst trades ever. Like I lost so much money on that. But I was thinking to myself, like, well, they're going into cars and they're going into TVs and I listen to them. So they say, do what you know but it wasn't quite a good stock. Um, I invested in Cisco because everyone kept talking about the internet of things. I wish I had known more about like a Salesforce and other ways to do internet of things because Cisco didn't really move too much for like five years. But <laughs> but yeah, that's how I started. So were you doing this like during your lunch break? Because I imagine like you're doing this right in the middle of your career, right? So what did that look like? It did. Like luckily I had jobs that I could work from home many times. Like I always had flexible jobs from consulting to even at Teach for America, we got to work from home often. So it was me looking at Jim Cramer at the time. He, he I think for, he's always had the same time. It comes on after work. So like that, that five to six hour central time he came on. So I'd look at him after work. And then during the daytime, I'd have CNBC kind of playing in the background while I was doing work. And then I'm looking over at it and seeing like what I need to invest in. Like I said, I didn't have a whole bunch of money at the time. So to me, an $80 stock was like, oh, my God, I can't. I can't just. I. <laughs> but but now I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go for Amazon is three thirty three hundred dollars. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was just baby steps at first. Okay. So how long did it take you to feel like you were proficient as a trader? You know what? I honestly will say, so I've been trading for 11 years. And that first six years where I was trying to figure it out by myself, I wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere. It wasn't actually until I started taking classes that I got better. Mm. I took several courses and they just, they opened up light bulbs for me. Things that like I wouldn't have known, like even the stop loss that I talk about now with risk management, I learned that in a class. And I was like, are you serious? 
all the money that I have lost and now you tell me that I could have protected myself <laughs> just with like one order type or what? Like my mind was just blown in so many ways. So I think it took me 10 years to get to the, okay, I'm consistently making $300 a day, consistently making $1,000 a day. But from the time that I actually started taking classes until I was able to quit was only about a year. So those courses expedited my learning curve. I think it's important to highlight the fact that education does play a big part in becoming proficient in anything, right? And so I think with trading, it's no exception, especially since this is something that we're obviously not learning in school. <laughs> Very true. I think the misconception is it's so easy to open a brokerage account and it's so easy to just place a trade that many people think, well, I can just figure this out on my own. I don't need any help. I can do it by myself. But there's, like you said, a science to this. And when you learn how to do it right, like sometimes it helps to be mentored by someone who has been trading successfully. So you mentioned that you were consistently at one point bringing in $300 a day. How did you set that goal? That was my assistant principal salary. Okay. So I was making $60,000 a year as an assistant principal. And after taxes, that came to be about $4,000 a month. So really, it was only $200 a day. If I could make, there's five trading days a week. So if I could make $200 a day, that's $1,000 a week. And then I said, well, I want a little extra. So let me do $300 a day. And that would give me $1,500 a week and $6,000 a month. So that's how I came up with those numbers. Okay. So tell me about your journey to walking away from your career. What did that look like? So it started off in the beginning with, I love to trade, but I'm going to stay as an assistant principal. So it was actually not meant to be a full-time thing. It was supposed to be just a side hustle. And I encourage that for anybody. You don't have to trade full-time. And even if you have a job, there are ways to you know, look at the charts, figure out when's a good time to get into a stock, and then let that ride. We call them swing trades. You can kind of let that play in the system for a couple weeks and still make good money without having to watch it all the time. So at first, it was just a side hustle. But in October, when my bosses started acting crazy, that's when it became, okay, let me figure out how to do this right. Like, let me... <laughs> Let me let me spend a little bit more time. So what I would do is every single day, I would trade every day. And I would wake up in the morning. I would set a 30-minute meeting with myself when the market opened. So around the central time, it's 8.30 o'clock is when the market opened. So around 8 to 8.30 is when I would set a, a meeting with myself. Then I'd go about my day, do my my principal duties. And at lunchtime, I check my phone because you can trade on your cell phone. I check my phone and make sure my stocks were doing what, what I thought they would. And at about two o'clock, this is usually like kid pickup time. I would also do a quick little double check and, and I would make sure that like, okay, I sold any stocks that I thought, you know, these have risen and made some money today. And then I would get into anything for the next day. And then at night, I would look at the charts and kind of prepare for the next day of trading. So that's what I was doing for the whole year to consistently get to $300 a day. That's amazing. Okay. So you have figured out the system that works for you as a trader. When do you decide to quit? And what did you put in place as far as a safety net for yourself monetarily or just, you know, situationally that allowed you that comfort to be able to do that? Sure. So let's start there with the safety net. I started by trading my old 401ks. So one of the things that I did, knowing that I didn't want to work forever, was I put as much as I could towards my 401k up to my company's match. So I had one company that did like a 5% match of your salary and another company that did like 3% match of your salary. So I would put as much money as I could in those 401ks so that the company would double it. So that was my first next egg of money. It ended up being around 30000 give or take, that I was using from my old 401ks and I moved them over into self-directed IRA account. And I have many students that do that too. It's And it's actually a really good strategy because if you do become a good trader and you're still trading within your IRA, you don't have to worry about taxes because it's still inside of your retirement account. And then when you do want to take a little bit of money out, you're like, okay, I'll take a little penalty, but you don't have to take the whole thing out. 
So that's what I was doing. I moved everything to self-directed IRA. And then once I quit my job officially, I moved that into a cash account. And I did take some people ask me about like, well, Terry, what about the penalties on that? Yes, there are penalties. There was a 10% penalty for doing it before age 55. And then I had to pay taxes on it. But for me, that was worth it. That was worth my freedom. So I was okay with the 10%. I was like, y'all take this. As long as I don't have to see my boss again, keep it. (laughs) Yeah. No, and it makes sense. Like if you knew that you were going to be able to improve the return on your investment way past that 10% penalty, you know, you were going to be able to make up for any lost ground that you would have paid in, in fees. So I think that makes sense. Yes, very true. Okay. So what do you think kind of a good baseline for folks to understand about trading from the technical standpoint? Like, I think a lot of people understand, you know, what it is to buy like an index fund and just hold it. But what is it about trading that you want beginners to understand and know? When you're thinking about trading, I want you to really think about a business, owning and operating a business. If I'm an entrepreneur and I have this new product I'm going to buy it at a lower price inexpensively, and then I'm going to sell it in order to make income. Like that is your purpose. You are making income. And that's the same thing when you're trading stocks. You are just trading for income. If it's that you need $100 a day in order to pay for your kid's daycare, or you need $80 a day to pay for your new assistant who's making $10 an hour, right? Like you're trading for income. So you're going to buy a stock that's inexpensive, but then you're going to sell it when it gets more expensive, just like a business would. So this is really just you are the bit you are a business owner. You have several stocks in your portfolio. You're buying them when they're inexpensive and selling them when they're expensive. And you're you're operating your business for income. That's what that's what trading is. And when it comes to the methods that you use to actually select stocks that are good for trading. Mm-hmm. How do you make that determination? Great question. So I'm looking for healthy companies that normal, normal, such a weird word, but, but that fundamental investors would also invest in. So if this is something that you would invest in for the long run, we're still investing in that same stock. We're just trading in and out of it. They call it trading in and out of your position. So for me, I have 30 companies on my watch list that I think are going to be around for the long run. And then those same 30 companies, I'm just trading in and out of my positions. So what that looks like is I may have Apple and I may say, you know what? Apple's going to be around for a long time. It's going to continue to rise. But when it's $100, I'm going to buy some. When it gets to $130, I'm actually going to sell because I've made $30 of profit per share. Then if it comes down a bit and it comes back down to $120, I'll get back into it. And then it'll rise up to 140 and I'll sell. So I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking Apple, but I'm just in and out of that position. So some of the criteria I'm looking for is I want it to be a healthy company. And the way that you can find that is by just looking at their earnings, earnings reports. And I don't think you have to look through the whole 20, 30 pages. <laughs> I think you can have, a, if you have a watch list on CNBC app, it actually will give you notifications and you tell your audience this. So I'm talking to the choir, but but this is just a, f- a fun thing I do. Like I'll look at the watch list from CNBC and on their earnings day, it'll tell you like, did they beat expectations? How was their revenue? How was their earnings is just revenue minus expenses. So you're looking at the profit, right? Did they have profit? So th- those things I think are important. I want to see that that's healthy. Then from there, I look at their their trend over the last 12 months. Has their stock been on an uptrend? And why is that important? Because you may have a great company, but their stock doesn't perform well. For example, like Ford for a long time. And this is no, not giving any advice right now, but for a long time, Ford stock was going down, even though I loved my Ford car. I I had a Ford Focus for the longest, like the door broke. I was still driving that Ford Focus, (laughs) but like the stock itself wasn't a good stock. And you could see that the chart, the trend was down. So I want you to find one where the trend has been up. It's an overall healthy company. And then us as traders, we also want to trade stocks that move. So like one secret from trade and travel is that we're looking at companies that move a dollar a day. 
and there's a study called average true range, you can look at that to see how much does this stock move a day. We wanna we wanna trade companies that move at least a dollar so that if you have 300 shares and it moves a dollar, well, you just made your $300 a day goal, right? If they don't move, then it's hard to make money on them. So mm -hmm. that's a couple, couple things I look at. That's excellent advice. And you know, one thing that I have found in my like baby journey of being a trader, because I'm like experimenting with it now is you should pick like maybe 10 companies or so that like you want to get to know. You just want to study them, how they trend so that you feel like when you're going to trades with them, like you you understand if this is a good price, if it's not how it behaves, right? It's just like getting to know a person. You want to get to know the stock because they each have their own characteristic. I totally agree. And that's something that many investors or especially traders miss. They're so eager to make money that they don't get to know the company. And you can do so much better as an active investor if you know the company well. Like you know the last time that it had a dip, what it did. You know the last time that it had earnings, how the stock moved. Did it have a pop or did it sink? Like if you know the company well, then you'll be able to really do well on the, the ebbs and flows of the stock. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay. I'm glad to know that I'm on the right path. <laughs> you, are, you are on it. Excellent. Okay. So I'm curious because, you know, I know as a woman of color, I'm sure you see this too. Like this is just not something that's normal to our community. So it can feel like it's hard to convince people that it this is possible for them. So what kind of... Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess, struggles do you see your clients first approach you with before they decide to work with you when it comes to like the mindset around living into what a trader is? One of the things I heard recently was uh, one of my students and friends, she was just telling me how she grew up with this idea that money was the root of all evil. And it I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Resonated with me too, because like many times at church, we had been, we had heard so much that you should give your money away to the poor that like, we hadn't taken the time to really think about the other side of that. Well, what if you become really wealthy? Then what? <laughs> and I think on the mindset, I think it's important for, for women especially to just have that permission. It is okay to be wealthy. It is okay to have access and 
And I, when I say excess, I'm saying it the country excess, E-X, you know, that just, that's abundantly more than you can ask or think. That kind of, that kind of extra, it's okay to have that. And the cool thing about it is that once you do have that, now you're in a place to help. Like there was this, um, I'm, a, I'm a, a big Bible reader, and there's this one story where it says this wealthy man, um, his name was Zacharias, this wealthy man, he wanted to see Jesus. So he climbed up this tree. And then when Jesus walked under the tree, he just he just called Zacharias. He knew who he was and everything. He said, Zacharias, come down from there. I'm going to stay at your house. And I've been really meditating a lot on that because to me, it's really cool that like this wealthy man, he was in a position to provide rest and resources to the ministry. And I think sometimes we forget that you need people that are wealthy in order to just help improve the mission of so many things. Like there are people that are funding ministries. There's people that are funding missionary work. There's people that are funding healthcare and all these things in the world that are systematic problems. They need people to fund them. So I think we as women have to step up into that role of like, look, we've got to go out there. We've got to get that bag. We've got to secure the purse because if we don't, who will, right? Mm -hmm. The world needs us. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, one thing that I noticed, too, about our communities is just like this intrinsic idea that like we have to exchange time or labor for money. And so like what steps can we start to take to break ourselves out of that mindset of exchanging labor for money? This is something that I've been just really intrigued by lately, but it's called a stable coin. It's a type of, of crypto coin. And I know you're gonna be like, Terry, what are you talking about? I don't. So I will tell you now, for the longest time, I did not like cryptocurrency. I Anybody that mentioned a Bitcoin, I was like, get away from me. Like, <laughs> no. But lately, there have um, risen up some things called stable coins. And they are cryptocurrency, but they're backed by the U.S. dollar. But the cool thing is that they have an interest rate. Very much like a savings account used to have an interest rate, but now savings accounts don't have any interest rate. Well, these stable coins have interest rates. So I'm um, I'm part of one right now. It's called a USDC coin, but it gives a 4% interest rate. So I've been putting money aside into that account because it, it pays out on a monthly basis, almost like a, a regular paycheck would. That's the step one. Look for some things that while the money's just sitting there, you're still getting paid. Like this isn't even like hard stuff. This is invest in a stable coin and, and let that money work for you. Then you go up a little bit to a next step. Okay, we're going to invest in ETFs and let that money work for us. Okay, well, that's cool. Now we want a higher return. We're going to actively invest in some stocks and, and let that work, right? So it's baby steps, but just start somewhere. Yeah, I think that's so important. And it's, I think it all starts honestly with the mindset shift of just realizing that there have been generations of people doing this stuff. They probably don't look like us, right? And that's why we feel like we're not entitled to using these same tools, but they exist. So why not educate yourself on how they work so that you can start building the generational wealth that other communities have been able to do for, for a very long time? Exactly. Well, that's why I love the work that you're doing to put a different face to what a trader looks like, what investing looks like, what, um, you know, building wealth looks like. It's so important to really normalize that idea for our community. So I just want to say thank you really quickly for for doing that for us. It's very inspiring. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for even having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm curious, now that you have been able to walk away from your career and make a living as a, a trader full-time, what are some things that you wish you would have known back then before you made the decision? I definitely wish I had known about the stop losses and risk management, because I lost so much money while I was trying to teach myself. And oftentimes I feel like that's something people don't realize. Like you may not want to invest into a school or invest into a teacher, but what you're going to find out is that that same money you could have invested to learn, you may lose because you're trying to teach yourself. And like, I know because I did it. Like I lost so much money before I started learning better, right? Um, so I think I really wish I knew about risk management. I wish that I knew how to 
create a trading plan. And what I mean by that is like every time I trade, I do seven steps. And what it does is it gives me rules and a set of regulations like, okay, these are my rules for entering a trade. These are my rules for when I exit a trade. These are my rules for how I pick my companies, right? That's called a trading plan. And what it does is it help you it helps you not trade with emotion. And many times women especially, but everybody, we trade with emotion. Oh my gut said that I need to get out of this stock today. You know what? I just have a good feeling that after earnings this come No, no. You can't trade on feelings. <laughs> That's why you need a plan. That will help you be more consistent. So I wish that I knew about trading plans. Um, and then that also would have helped me to to look for the right teachers because there's so many strategies out there, but you can look for strategies based on your personal plan and your personal goals. Like, okay, if if my time to trade is after hours, well, then I need to look for someone who's teaching Forex or futures or crypto because those are 24 hour markets. Or if it's like, you know what, I need something that's a little bit more stable and reliable, then you go for stocks. Or you say, you know what, I'm ready to take it to the next level. I've got all those other things down. Well, now let's teach you options. But first, that starts with you got to know yourself and then it will help. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think uh, another thing that a lot of people battle with is like this idea that you need a lot of money, right? And you mentioned that earlier in the in the interview that that's a common misconception for people, especially when it comes to trading. And you're not going to get rich trading $50 worth of stock. So what do you do if you don't have like thousands of dollars just sitting there waiting to be invested? How can you still make this a reality? Sure. So I do think um, like right now I use a, a company called TradeStation and like my students use several different companies, but they allow you to open an account with $500 and then trade in a simulated account. And I think while you don't have a big account, start practicing. This is the time while you're saving and building up your account for you to become good. That way, when you do start trading your real money, you're not losing the, the money you saved, right? So that's step one. There's never too little to start. Just get started, especially with the learning part. Then the second thing I would say is there are stocks out there that are killing it and that don't cost a lot. Like one of my favorite stocks is one called AMD, and they're a semiconductor company. But their stocks are like $90 a share. I know that still sounds like a lot, but it can move quite a bit. It can move you know, a dollar to three dollars a day. Like we said, if you have 300 of those, then now you just hit your $300 a day goal and you have a small account. Don't be limited by the amount of money that you have. Think more about like, how can I make the money I have work for me, no matter how much it is. And then one thing I will say is when you're trading, one of the goals that I give my students is I want you to try to make 1% of your cash amount. So I do want to give you guys that expectation. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. If you have $1,000, then your goal is going to be to make $10 a day. And it's going to get a little easier as you do get a little bit of a larger account. Maybe when you get to 2000 the bank will also start letting you use a little bit of, of their money too. So then that 1% that is now $20 a day. But you know what? Like that might sound small. Somebody may, you know, cough $20. But $20 a day is $100 a week. That's $400 a month. That's a 20% return on your portfolio just by trying to make 1% a day. So that's what I would encourage you to focus on. Try to average that or do that on a regular basis. Yeah, I think that's great. And it just speaks to the idea that like this is something that you have to practice. You have to get good at. It's not... You know, you can get lucky with situations like what happened with GameStop, but that is not the norm. So I don't want folks to think that like that's even something that's realistically they should be paying attention to. And I'm curious if you actually participated in what was going on or if you have any advice for people who were asking you about that. So no and no and no. So <laughs> here's the thing. One, I invest in healthy companies and GameStop and AMC first didn't make the cut on healthy companies. I bring in AMC too, because it was also part of the, the short squeeze. And somebody might say, Terry, what was a short squeeze? Like, I don't get it. What it is, is when you're in, when you're a trader, you can actually make money on the way up as the stock increases and also on the way down. You can actually sell the stock first and then buy it back lower and make money 
like the difference, make the money on the way down. So that's what people, that's what the big banks were doing. They had sold it at a high price and they were, they were planning to buy the stock when it went down lower. But the problem is instead of going down, the stock started going up because you had a lot of buyers come in from Robinhood and Reddit. And so now it starts pushing the stock price up. So when they go to buy the stock back, because that's how you get out of a short sale, you have to buy it back. They had to buy it higher. But as more buyers came in, because those short sellers were buying higher, it just kept pushing the price up and up and up. So that's what it was. Um, But we've seen this before. So it happened in Tilray before. Tilray ran up to $200 and then now it's back down around 20. It happened to Tesla in the past. Even though Tesla recently has risen before, it was in a short squeeze where it ran up and then had a, a drop back down to $144. So I knew from experience, that's what this is going to do too. It's going to run up and come back down. So I told all my students, don't play the games with this thing. No, one, it's not a healthy company. And then we know what happens in these scenarios. So no, we weren't we weren't part of that. Yeah, no, that that's excellent advice. And it um, just goes to speak that I think the more that you expose yourself to the market and literally do what you said, like watch CNBC, like understand what is happening, you really start to see like what the normal cycle is of the market. And I think the more that you understand that, the more that it's, it's easier to like stomach the ups and the downs, understanding that they are a normal part of this whole process. Yes. And I do want to encourage anybody who, who may have gotten hurt in the GameStop fiasco, like um, it went, ran up and then maybe you got in at a higher price and then it fell back down. So I want to encourage you, all of those are just parts of the learning curve. All of us as traders have had losses. We've all had times where we've had to like brush ourselves up and then get back up again. Like that's what makes you good because now the next time that it happens, you won't be a part of it. You'll be like me, like no and no and no. But that's because I've had experience before, Right. So just take it as part of the journey. You got this. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about like what your um, scariest moment as a trader was? (laughs) Yes. So I traded Pandora. This is actually part of my class. It is like what gave me my risk management skill set (laughs) now. But I was in Thailand, believe it or not. So I was in Thailand because at this point I was was traveling to one country per month. So this month was Thailand. And we were doing this like beautiful ceremony. I remember we were like lighting these lanterns and letting it go. And then I had to go work because the stock market opens at night in Thailand, like real late at night, like midnight night. (laughs) So I had this great day and then went to like a a quiet place outside on the street because it's a big festival. So I go to this place and I take a seat and I'm thinking I'm about to be rich. Just rich because I had invested 8,000 shares in Pandora. If you guys on the podcast, you can't hear me, but I, or you can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes at myself. Like, I just thought I was going to be so rich. Like, I thought after earnings, because it was an earnings report, I thought after earnings, this is going to pop up because everybody has it in their cars and it's on TV. Like, you know, the same thing I told you earlier. Girl, though, this thing dropped, it dropped $2 at first and then $3. And I tell you, I have 8,000 shares. So every dollar it dropped, I'm losing thousands of dollars. And this is, I'm, this is, I just came out of being an assistant principal. Like we don't have money like this. And you mean to tell me I just lost, it was, it ended up being like $26,000 at the end of the day. And, and the truth was, this was all before the market opened. Because the, uh, the earnings had happened overnight. So I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, clearly, clearly something is wrong with me. <laughs> I have chose the wrong career. <laughs> I call my mom crying and she's like, I thought she was going to be like, come home now. I thought she was going to do the whole, I told you so. But she's like, no. She's like, how are you going to get your money back if you quit right now? And I said, you know what? You are not supposed to be wise right now. Like we're supposed to be having a crying moment together. (laughs) That's what I thought in my head. I didn't tell her that for real. But yeah, so I'm glad I kept going after that. But a lot of the things I do now, like I don't trade earnings because you just really don't know whether they'll go up or down. And like great companies, even recently, Goldman Sachs, great quarter. 
and it dropped in price. Apple, outstanding, never made this much money ever. It dropped in price. So I was upset about Apple. I bought a bunch of shares like on earning day. I'm like, what is happening? This is supposed to be going up. Exactly. And then you hear the news and you're like, oh, yeah, this is good news. And then you see the stock and you're all mad. You're like, wait, what? Um, (laughs) It's clearly, clearly they were not. It's like the stock was not on the earnings call because you're supposed to be doing something (laughs) different right now. Well, and I think it's just so important to remember, like all these numbers, all the values of these companies, while that, yes, they are typically rooted in the fundamentals, they're also driven by people and people are super irrational. And that's why, like, even when we think we know what's going to happen, it's almost impossible to predict, you know, what's going to happen immediately. It's more about understanding the overall trend of a company versus like getting caught up in in what's going to happen in the next 24 hours or whatever. Yep. And then us as traders, we look at a chart. So I'm a technical analysis trader. So for me, it's very much like I can get a I can get a good probability of what will happen. It's not exact because nothing is exact, but I'm trading based on what the chart says. And oftentimes going into earnings, some of those stocks are at all time highs. And at those places, that's where banks, no matter what the earnings says, are about to sell. And when those big sell orders come in, like we're selling a million shares at $137, no matter what happens on the call, you're they're selling a million shares and it's going to push the price down. So that's what we have to remember. Like this is, like you said, it's not rational. This is more driven by banks and people buying and selling. Yeah. And I think um, the drops that we saw too around the whole short sell situation with GameStop and AMC was also because some of these hedge funds had to sell so many of their good stocks to pay for all of these shorted shares that they ended up driving the price down of a lot of good companies. (laughs) They did. And I'm hoping that people took advantage of that. Like that was one of the times where I was like, look, y'all, this is a pump fake. While everybody else is focusing on, you know, GameStop and AMC, I want you guys to look at all these companies that just came down to like, where they entered 2021, you know, these great companies. Um, I'm over here cheerleading for the other companies. I'm like, come on now, go Salesforce, go (laughs) PayPal. (laughs) But, but yeah, it it definitely was a chance for people to get in at the, the lower prices. But, you know, on that same point, I think people have to stop trading so emotionally because sometimes they see something happening in the news, whether that's storm on the Capitol or um, or this thing with GameStop and they give up on the whole market because they think that like, you know, the world is ending today. Guys, that is not the right time to give up on those days where everything looks bad or things are starting to come down in price. That might be an opportunity. And that's something to definitely consider as a trader. Yeah, I think this is why it's so important to have someone like you who is guiding newbie investors to not use their emotions because nine times out of 10, that is not going to lead you to success. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Terry, this has been an amazing conversation. I have a couple more questions for you. The first would be for somebody who's like ready to just start as a trader, you know, they want to start doing this as a side hustle. Like what's what maybe one or two tips that you would give them to get started on the right foot? First, of, of course, I would say take a course. Like it really does expedite your learning, whether it's trade and travel or another course, like any kind of education you can get first, do it. Because if you're hard headed like me and you're somebody who is like, I'm just going to, you know, get in there. I, I learn from I learn by doing it. It's not worth it. Let all the other people who made a 50 million mistakes let you know what their mistakes were so that you can kind of skip some of those hurdles. So that's one. Two, I would say just get started. Like so many times we're on the sideline and what I what I often see is people want to get in. They really do, but they're scared. Something something just is is holding them back and usually that's fear. And then they finally see their friend do it. And their friend does real well on some stock. Now they have FOMO and the you know fear of missing out. And so now they're jumping in, but they're jumping in at the wrong time because by this time their friend has hyped them up so long that they've missed it. Now they're getting at the highs and the stock starts falling. Now they're like, oh, I told you that thing wasn't gonna work. I told you it wasn't gonna work for me. But the answer is no. 
The answer is you waited too long. You stayed on the sideline. So come on in. Come on in now. Jump off. Stop having fear. Let's go so that you can you can join in. And it's never too late, but just come on off the sideline now, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's so important. And even if that's just literally a matter of like opening up your account and putting some money in there, when you're ready, you will already be halfway there. So just yes. open the account and have it ready to go when you are mentally ready to go. I love that. And you're so right, because um, oftentimes when you do want to actually invest in the stock, your account's not ready. And it takes about two weeks for a trading account to get really set up. So like, that's when you see, oh, <laughs> that's when you see the stock and you're like, oh man, I wish I had an account open. So yes, that's a great, great idea. <laughs> open the account now. Yes. I'm wondering, do you have a money mantra? So recently my mom told me one and now it's been stuck with me and it's called, and it says money buys you dignity. Where it came from was she went to the dentist and so long, I told you she, she has only made like $35,000 a year. So for so long, she couldn't afford to do a lot of the dentist work. And, you know, if she needed four teeth done, she'd have to do one and maybe like, then they asked, do you want to be fully asleep or just half? And, you know, she'd have to make compromises. But recently, like I was able to give her some money and she went into the dentist office and she said, they told me that I needed four teeth done. And I told them, okay. <laughs> and she and she was able to hold her head up high and tell them with dignity that she could afford it. And they were like, are you sure these teeth are going to cost $2,500 a tooth? And, you know, just really, really looking at her, her sideways, like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, I got this. I'm, I'm sure. And I want to be all the way asleep. I want all the Anastasia or I don't think Anastasia is the right word. But <laughs> Anastasia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I want all the sleeping drugs, you know, and, and she could afford it. And so money buys you dignity is what I've been holding on to. And it's been something that like, it's been my motivation lately for this is why I teach. This is why I'm helping people make a thousand dollars in a day. This is why I'm helping people make a hundred dollars in a day. Because I want them to be able to go into the doctor's office and have dignity that they can afford whatever procedure they need. You know, like, I want that for everybody. That is super powerful. I am right there with you on that mission. I think it's just so important for us to really understand all the different ways that we can educate ourselves on building wealth. Because it's not only going to change our lives, it's going to change our family's life. And the sooner we get started, the sooner we can start seeing those changes really come to life. Amen. <laughs> so, Terry, for people that want to find out more about you, follow your journey and work with you, where's the best place that we can find you? I have a free webinar at itradeandtravel.com. itradeandtravel.com. That tells you how I teach my students to make $1,000 in a day. So that's the best place to start. And then I'm on most platforms, YouTube, um, Instagram at Trade and Travel. So look us up there. And then you can always Google my name, Terry Geome. I'm on Instagram that way too. But first place, itradeandtravel.com. Start, start there with the webinar. Okay. Terry, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm so glad that we can have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I hope you love this episode with Terry, and I hope that it might have intrigued you to learn about stock trading if that's something that you want to add to your repertoire as a person who is developing their financial literacy. There's nothing inherently wrong with stock trading, but it's important to understand all of the science behind it because it is a science. And you should definitely reach out to someone like Terry to learn more about this topic from someone who's been doing it, has a proven track record, and can show you all of the do's and don'ts when it comes to stock trading. So if you want to find out more about Terry's course, the trade and travel course, head over to our episode show notes and you can find the link to join her program. So until next time, stay educated, stay motivated, and stay poderosa.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.